McMaster has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at MAC, as we learn the moments that their path from MAC became unconventional. Joining me today on Unconventional is Sarah Sinha, a 2019 grad who earned her degree in chemical engineering. Sarah is a firm believer in life not being linear. When the pandemic began, she decided to pivot her career and join the AI revolution. Sarah currently works as a business insights analyst at TD and develops machine learning models based on business problems. In our discussion today, Sarah talks about her process on making that decision, what she learned about the industry, and herself. The last two and a half years has been really topsy-turvy for everyone. Um, what's it sort of been for you um, in your professional career um, during the pandemic? I think you've made a couple of, of pivots as a favorite early pandemic word. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about that, your experience during the pandemic and some things that you've changed up in your career since then. Yeah, so I I actually originally went to school for chemical engineering and you know at the time I absolutely loved it and the issue was after graduating I found that a lot of the jobs that I was looking at they weren't really what I actually did in school at all and pretty much if I wanted to stay in the GTA which you know I, I do I'd probably be doing something like project management, which didn't really utilize a lot of what I had learned, which was unfortunate. You know, I loved chemical engineering. It was so interesting. So I ended up working at Stelco. This is pre-pandemic. Um, this being a podcast in Hamilton, I'm sure many people know what Stelco is, but it's a steel manufacturing company. And although I was not doing what would be ideal for me, I was still very lucky because I was in a position where I was given lots of responsibility and it allowed me to gain lots of leadership skills and experience and things like that. But, you know, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And I began having these realizations around when the pandemic first started. And I remember hearing so much about industry 4.0 and just tech in general around this time. And it, really attracted me because it's so cutting edge and the opportunities are just endless, right? So I was just really interested in how it even interacts with a business to add value, especially during COVID because the way that we were doing business was changing so much. So <laughs> at this point I was in a dilemma because, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to pivot to in tech. Tech is huge. And then I also went to school for chemical engineering. So it's kind of like, how do I now build my toolbox of skills to meet any of the requirements that I'm seeing on LinkedIn? So for the next four or five months, still in the pandemic, so I had lots of time, I guess. I just did a ton of research. I learned the randomest skills. I learned C. I learned HTML, CSS, Python, I tried web development, I tried building apps, so many things. I spoke with recruiters to pick their brains. Um, and a few months into this, I reached out to an old friend. He did the MMAI degree, the Master of Management in Artificial Intelligence. And he actually originally went to school for chemistry. And I guess once he finished the program, he was at TD. So he probably thinks I'm copying his exact career path because I'm at TD now. But 
after speaking with him and other recruiters, I thought this area was really interesting. You know, I didn't need to decide on an industry right away. Everything was state of the arts. The pay is good. <laughs> and I had a baseline of at least the skills that I would need to develop the skill set for these roles. So it's not like I'm completely abandoning my chemical engineering, which was one of my initial fears about considering the pivot. So I ended up moving home, still pandemic time, and doing my master's degree in AI. And yeah, now I work as a business insight analyst at TD. And it's funny because I still wear my iron ring, so I'll meet people and they'll be like, oh, did you go to school for software, computer engineering? And I tell them chemical engineering and everyone's so surprised. <laughs> so I think that's a really good story for people to hear because oftentimes when students, when you graduate and so you, you've graduated from, let's say, social work or a history degree or chemical engineering, and you think that's the path versus looking sort of at your skill set that you've been able to take and then flip it to a, an entirely new industry. So what was it about, you know, what do you take from your chemical engineering degree that you're able to flip to your role at TD, which we'll talk a little bit in a second? Mm -hmm. So to be honest, that was probably my biggest fear about doing the pivot is the fear of abandoning, it sounds so intense, but abandoning my chemical engineering degree. You know, you invest so much time and money and effort into getting this degree. So you don't want to feel like it was almost in vain. So while I was doing all this research, one of the questions that I asked people was, does this make sense with my chemical engineering degree? And I think that's what gave me a little bit of comfort in taking this route is that there is the possibility of combining AI with chemical engineering. I kind of figured that that isn't what I would end up doing, but it provided a little bit of a cushion for me or just some like relief about, you know, the fact that I probably won't be doing chemical engineering anymore. So what would you say that, um, let's say the general public, what, what do people not understand or would surprise to learn about AI, right? Like artificial intelligence is such a big sort of like, what is it? What it's like, so, you know, now that you've done your master's, what do you think that you, you discovered about it that would be a surprise for most people? Mm -hmm. It is so general. There are so many different applications that you can use it for. You know, there's natural language processing, which is totally different from computer vision, which is totally different from machine learning. And then on top of that, there are so many different industries that you can apply each area to, like, for example, finance, retail, whatever it is, it, that's one of the things that makes it so attractive is there are so many things you can do with it. The possibilities are absolutely endless. So talk to me a little bit about a natural language processing researcher. So I went back to just make sure I got that straight. I'll have to be honest, I had never heard of this. So yeah. <laughs> I hire stuff in an elevator and I say, I turn to say, Sarah, what is that? Give me your elevator speech, what that is. Yeah, so uh, natural language processing, it's a subset of AI where you are designing and experimenting with models that take in text as data and you can use it to complete a task. So for the internship that I completed, pretty much we're building models that will look at a conversation between a human and a chatbot and it will determine was the human's um, 
request was it met by the chatbot was it able to solve their problem and the purpose of this is to make it so that a human doesn't have to go through and kind of go through every single conversation and figure out is our chatbot working the model can kind of figure it out for you and um, aside from just my internship, it's a huge field as well. Um, you can use it for so many things. It's used in legal, it's used in finance, um, tons of different tasks that it can be used for. Yeah, I, I think over the lot in the pandemic, I certainly have used more chatbots than I ever have before. And most of them are, are pretty darn good. Those every once in a while, you, you ask a question and they have no clue. But so people probably don't realize <laughs> how often there is chatbots and AI fueling that stuff behind. Yeah, it's so impressive. So impressive that you you can get a machine to actually understand what a human is saying. Yeah, it's it's exciting, but also scary in some part. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your student experience at McMaster, and because engineering students, whether whatever discipline you're in, are very active in the extracurricular. Like that's based into your sort of you know your school. You know, you've got your experiential learning sort of stuff you do. There's extracurriculars. What do you think you took from that that you used in your in your day? day-to-day -day job now and if an incoming student was coming in in first year and said to you should I get involved in extra stuff what would you tell them yeah so I mean it is definitely worth getting involved um not only because you're developing soft skills that you can apply later on in work and in life but also because networking is so important you know it's the people that you meet that will help to take you places later on like i was telling you earlier that it's somebody that i had met in undergrad that introduced me to the program that i ended up taking like networking and mentorship is absolutely everything but yeah aside from that um i was part of the uh, woman in engineering club and I also had the opportunity to mentor incoming women in engineering. And, you know, it was great because, you know, you're learning to work with a team and you're learning to, you know, design events and all these kinds of things that, you know, maybe you won't be designing events later on in your career, but you're learning about collaboration and teamwork and, you know, how it works outside of just a classroom in an academic environment. But as, as an aside, I will say one of my, my friend's favorite sayings back in university was engineering is a team sport <laughs> because, you know, especially at McMaster, the culture in engineering is just incredible. You know, you're, you're in it together, truly, like with your friends um, that you make in the classroom. And even those skills will take you very far in the workplace. Well, here's a little thing that I would tell people is one of the things that I do when I look at resumes when people are applying is I always flip to like, okay, what else are you involved in? What else have you done? Because I think that really does help. And it and, and that's a great way of putting engineering at McMaster is a team sport and you learn, you learn to work collaboratively um, during that time. So that that's a great lesson for people to take away. So you like to travel, as do many of us. None of us have really traveled much in the last uh, couple of years. So, but you did have an opportunity to do an internship in Singapore. So tell me a little bit about that. What was the internship for? What did you love about Singapore? What did you learn about yourself um, in working in and living in a different country for a few, few months? 
Yeah, so I was an analyst technician. So essentially, I just did experiments on catalyst samples to make sure that they met the requirements of our customers. And the job itself was perfect for me. You know, it was a growth opportunity because I was able to learn skills that I could add to my toolbox later on. But at the same time, it allowed me to leverage the skills that I already had so that I could be successful in the role. So there's a great balance. And not only that, but it was just an amazing experience. It was a ton of fun and it grew a lot from it. I was in a totally different country, literally a 12 hour time difference from home, and I didn't know a single person. So it was definitely a bit of a culture shock. But I will say it's definitely when you're in uncomfortable situations that you have the opportunity to grow and evolve so it's just important to seize it and make the most of it and yeah i think i i think i did just that you know i developed a lot more confidence in my ability to rely on myself and be independent and handle seemingly difficult or scary situations and yeah i had an amazing time so have you traveled yet this summer? Most people I know, I, I swear, this is the first year that I ever remember that everybody I know is getting on a plane, whether it's in Canada, going to Canada, the US or internationally. Are you are you hopping on a plane or have you hopped on a plane lately? I have. I, I just went to Mexico a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you have a good time? Amazing. Oh. <laughs> Expensive, but worth it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about a couple of things about... Uh, I had never heard of this before. So I want you to tell me what this is and why it was a big milestone for you. But the NLP Cup, what is it and why was it important for your for, for your life? Yeah, so uh, have you heard of Kahoot? Do you know what a Kahoot is? I tried to Google that and it did not come up, but I probably just did not type it in right. So help me, what's a Kahoot? So, okay, essentially it's an online game and one person will ask questions that are multiple choice and then everybody that's, that's playing, they have to pick on pick the right answers and then they also have to answer them the fastest and the person who can do that ends up winning. So I remember before starting my program, we were at an info session and the person running it was like, okay, I'm going to do a Kahoot and it's all gonna be technical questions. And I kid you not, I came in last place, <laughs> like dead last, last place. So fast forward eight months and in a class and the prof says, you know, hey, at the end of every single class, we're going to do a Kahoot, and the person with the highest number of points at the very end, I will ship you a trophy. And I won, <laughs> so it was just such a redemption moment for me. Like after coming in last place, I was embarrassed. <laughs> I had something to prove after that. So it was like a, it was like a turning point for me, like a signal of a successful pivot that, you know, was happening and I was going to do a good job with it. Well, and thank you, Sarah, for making me feel not so old because I did not know what a kahoot was. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, so one of the things that's impressed me when you were talking earlier is your, when you were thinking about making a change, you didn't seem to have much, or at least my impression is that you you took the time to like look into what you wanted, talked to a whole bunch of people, reached out to people probably through LinkedIn and networking and, and whatnot. What do you think holds people back from doing that? Like were you were you were you nervous about reaching out and trying to talk to people about like, okay, I'm thinking about making a change in my career? What do you think? I think oftentimes 
people get, oh, I can't ask anybody something, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. So how did you, like, did you feel comfortable? And if you didn't, how did you overcome that? Mm -hmm. So I think that it's a skill that I learned during the job search initially. Like I was saying earlier, networking is absolutely everything. And the worst that anybody can tell you is no. I'm not free to chat, whatever. That is the absolute worst thing that can happen. And that's not bad <laughs> because there's, it's LinkedIn. There's a million other people that you can reach out to. You have absolutely nothing to lose by reaching out and talking to people. Like it is your career and the rest of your life that is on the line. So you need to make an informed decision, however that may be. Um, but reaching out to people is a great tool. Recruiters know, you know, absolutely everything that there is to know about getting hired in these different tech positions. And so they are such a resourceful tool that's at your fingertips on LinkedIn, right at your disposal. So it's so helpful to just pick their brain. And what kind of relieved me a little bit going into these conversations was not approaching it as a, oh, this is an interview kind of thing, but more just a, this person has the answers to all of my questions. So I just want to pick their brain about it and you know gain their insight because it will help me make my decision later on. So let's talk about your job at TD. What exactly do you do every day? Yeah, so I'm a business insights analyst. So um, essentially, we build models that will be able to um, either make decisions or drive value in some sort of way for the business. My department specifically is in real estate secured lending. So it's mainly surrounding uh, mortgages and flex lines, things like that. So, so what does that mean for a layperson? Like, what does that mean? So um, are you figuring out like how much money people can, like if I came to the bank and said, I want to buy this house, the work you're doing is helping the bank to figure out, can I do this and how much money should I be given? Yeah. So an example is right now, the variable interest rate is going up like crazy because of interest rate rising. So we're trying to figure out who will have their payments be get to the point where it's 100% interest and nothing is going against their principal. Who do we need to contact about that? That kind of thing. Okay. And um, how long do you think you, you would want to do something? Like what, what's your next step? Have you figured out what your next step is? I mean, you haven't been at your new your job that long, but have you thought about, oh, I really like this or is there I'm going to like this and then move to a different opportunity in a bank or a different industry. Yeah, it's it's funny because my people manager, he just asked me the other day, like, what do you want to do? What are your career goals? And I thought about it and I have absolutely no idea what I want to do next. No idea. And, you know, that's OK. Like the whole point of this is to show that it's OK to not go down a predetermined path. And I just, I need to take my own advice and it's scary not knowing what you want to do, but it's like, once you have that realization, it's kind of exciting too, because the world is your oyster at that point. And, you know, we only get to live life once. So you might as well open up all the opportunities you can. And I think that's a really good point, Sarah. Like most people don't have, I'm going to do this and then this and then this in their next step in their career. Some people do, and, and they're, they're just wired that way. But most of us actually don't. And it's kind of taking, taking the risk to take when an opportunity comes to actually 
open the door and go through it, even though it might be completely different like you did. Um, so your next one might be completely different. But I think that's a really good point that, you know, your life, your career path does not have to be, you know, all put out in front of you and, and feel comforted well, right? Like you feel okay about that yeah. when you have that moment of, okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like if you're in a mindset where you're kind of trying to prevent it, like, oh, but I would still want to do this, then maybe it's kind of scary. But once you come to that acceptance, like this isn't what's going to make me happy and you have that like realization and relief, then it's exciting. It's a good thing. So do you spend most of your day looking at numbers or it's models? Like, is it models and numbers? And that's what you kind of spend your day looking at all that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit of both. Uh, at this point, it's still a lot of numbers, um, just because the market in real estate is changing so much. So we're still kind of trying to assess what is happening, what's going to happen next. And then I think it'll be easier to build models, at least once things settle down a little bit. <laughs> all right. So we kind of talked a little bit about that you're not really sure what your next step is. But let's just say if I asked you five years from now, what do you think you want to be doing in five years? I mean, there's a couple of things that interest me right now. It would be interesting to go into NLP. That's what I'm doing my internship in right now outside of work because I'm just finishing my master's degree. So I think that would be really interesting. I also think it's a very state of the art area and, you know, every single day something new and innovative comes out with that. And you know, that's something that it, it makes me tick. It's like, it makes me excited about, you know, what's coming next. So it'd be interesting to do that. But um, management is also something that I'd maybe be interested in, um, maybe leading a team or something like that, but still trying to figure it all out. All right. So as we sort of come to the conclusion of our conversation, we like to do a little bit of rapid fire. So I'm going to throw a few questions at you. Favorite memory of McMaster? Oh my gosh, that is hard. <laughs> hmm. Honestly, it's probably one of my very last weeks at McMaster and everybody in our program, we went to Snooty Fox together and it, we went with our professors actually too. <laughs> he like bought us all of our drinks and it was just such a fun time because it was just like a memory of just being like a family for one last, one last night. That's a very nice memory. Um, now, people have bought really interesting things over over the pandemic, which unfortunately still continues. Do you have a Do you have an interesting COVID purchase? Hmm. Yeah. So I bought a recipe book, but it was an empty recipe book, like nothing in it. It was one of those books like you write down all the ingredients and you put in the steps. And afterwards, I think I wrote down two recipes in total. I was like, why did I do this? Why didn't I just buy a recipe book that already had recipes in it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that was time everybody, did you make banana bread, sourdough and all that other kind of stuff? Oh yeah. I make banana bread like once a week now. <laughs> that yeah. wasn't a thing before COVID. But we have to go back to the early days of the pandemic, what everybody was doing. Um, <laughs> what, what uh, book are you reading right now or podcast you're listening to? I am such a sucker for any kind of thriller mystery book. I just read a book. It's called The Silent Patient. Really good. I would recommend it. All right. And any favorite podcasts you listen to? Um, I actually really like the podcast, The Daily. It's like kind of a news podcast, so it's a little boring, but I really like it. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, um, one song that best describes your time at McMaster. 
Oh my gosh, Sweet Caroline, for sure. <laughs> every football game, you know, every night out, Sweet Caroline would come on at some point. <laughs> All right. And then what's your, what's your idea of perfect happiness, Sarah? Um, not being stressed, just living a comfortable life, you know, going home at five, spending time with my family, my friends, my partner, just not having to run around everywhere and just living an easy life. Oh, that sounds very good. Well, thank you for joining us today and uh, sharing your story um, with us since McMaster. It's been an interesting story with lots of different twists and turns. And um, we're going to keep an eye and see where you are. So I'm going to knock on the door in five years and say, okay, Sarah, come back. What's been going on in your life? So uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for very much for sharing your experiences with us today. Great. Thanks. It's been so much fun.